CHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. How do you keep a parasite from becoming a poltergeist? What factors have to be in place for possession to take place? Are you in more danger of being abducted by aliens if you're intelligent? Hey there, and welcome to the 496th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening, we bring you an open line show, and we invite your calls. The number is 248-545-7685. So let us, let us get right to it. All right. Uh, let's start with some recent Facebook questions. Came in on Facebook. Uh, as we said, our online form isn't working anymore, and I don't know when it's going to be back up, so you can use Facebook or just our email address, which we will give numerous times throughout the show. This one is from Mark Shanley in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Uh, please tell us where you're from. Alrighty. So uh, Mark writes to us, I'm really interested in your struggles against parasites, and in your view of... Uh, poltergeist. Poltergeist, whatever. Uh, and your view of uh, what they are and how they work is uh, really different. My question is, how do you prevent a parasite from turning into a poltergeist, and how does that happen? Okay, well, probably the best thing to do is, as we talk about preventive medicine, which is what? Positive energy. What do they eat? They literally eat negative energy, apparently. I can't put a scientific finger on that, but that's the way it's seemed to me for all these years. What you do is... Eliminate the negative energy or keep it out. Better yet, keep it out in the first place. Now, that's good advice for any family. Right. Well, I mean, well, why would you have it there in the first place? Well, there's a lot of reasons as to there's a lot of reasons as to why. But we live in a very negative world, right? Yeah. Not that it's well. I mean, sometimes it's more positive than. than well, I try not to watch the news, so. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I've been a newsman for thirty two, thirty five years. A newspaper doesn't mean so it's I paid. Couldn't, I couldn't help. It. Doesn't mean you have to pay attention to it. There are plenty of people who write who have no clue what they're talking well, about. One of my jobs at the Providence Journal was to monitor the uh, CNN, for heaven's sake. You can live in the world, but not be of the world. Well, that's true. Well, then, plus, that was also a long time ago. I left there quite a, quite a few years ago. There we are. Luckily, as I hear. Anyway, uh, that being as it may, <laughs> it's, it's positive energy, Mark. Other, what, what, I mean, what do I mean by that? In other words, keep your family close. Even if, even if you have no one, the whole lesson of the multiverse is that you have everyone. You're never alone. And you're always loved. In, in some world or other, because we talk about these parallel worlds, and they, they seem to be real places with real people, and that seems to be the best science on it, as strange as it may seem, you always have loved ones. You have children who were never born in, the, in your conscious world here. You have all sorts of loved ones who, and, and there are, and this is not some sappy spirit world kind of nonsense. This is uh, as real as it gets, as they say. You have lots of presences in many different worlds that are uh, worlds where the laws of physics are different and the reality of people you're connected with, which is pretty much everyone, in parallel worlds is, is a day-to-day affair. I've encountered worlds like that in paranormal work and people who live in them, sometimes non-people who live in them who are pretty nice or neutral or not so nice. It all depends. Everything is there. So that's essentially it. Keep it positive. Uh, your loved ones, tell them that you love them. Don't wait. Keep it positive. Be honest. 
be loving, be truthful, of course, as I say, honest, and have a humor, good humor. Uh, don't laugh at each other, but but you know, laugh. Uh, keep keep the, the the good humor there. It's a very powerful thing. In, in a way, a good humor is a, I don't know maybe an aspect of love. Yeah. In a strange way, you know. So just keep it positive, and I think that uh, these things won't happen. Like if you're able to poke fun at each other, but not make fun of each other, is well, exactly, and not in a hurtful way. Right. You know, because hurtful is negative. Yes. And you can turn a positive thing like laughter and make it negative, and that's very bad, and that happens all the time. One of the things we find in cases is that uh, you you have had isolation. That seems to be what parasites look for. As a matter of fact, uh, when they when they pick a host and attach themselves to that host. That person is often isolated, sometimes from the rest of the family. Maybe they've been closer to the parasites than they have to their own loved ones. How do you do that? Well, you use things you shouldn't use, like Ouija, Ouija boards, boards and tarot cards and things exactly. like that. Yeah, now, have you noticed lately that, uh, at least in, in looking around the paranormal crosstalk that goes on all over the place, uh, Ouija boards seem to be being uh, rehabilitated, almost. There are people who advise... That you use them, and they'll say, well, here's how to avoid the problem. I think that is unbelievably stupid. Well, I mean, if there's any way to make money off something, they'll find a way to make money off it. Well, that's it. Well, I've been after Milton Bradley for years to stop making it because they're like they're going to listen to me. But in any case, uh, keep it positive. Stay, keep away from that stuff. And don't be isolated from others. It's funny, the parasites, there might be a large family that they are, let's say, farming, so to speak. And they, but they still concentrate on one, at least in my experience. Not always, but I mean, they'll, they'll feed off one, but they really concentrate on one person. And when they can't get that person, they'll move on to someone else. We certainly saw that in uh, the, um, the Burlville, Rhode Island case. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen it all over the place. So keep it positive. Avoid problems before they happen. That's what I would say. Mm. And uh, how does it? Uh, how does it? How does it happen? Well, I think that that's kind of self-explanatory. So well, you, you sort of said that. Yeah, exactly. So thank yeah. you for writing, Mark. Next one is some SE... Keys. Looks like keys. What are we doing with the last... Well, okay. Uh, we usually don't use... You know, anyway, SE from Haverhill, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Maybe we shouldn't do that. All right, well... well usually the one jumping on me. Sorry. I, well, I mean, I'm used to the forums where it said, don't use this, you know, blah, I know. blah, blah, Well, you're more stuck in... Well, I mean, people can just go on Facebook and look at this stuff anyway. Well, no, no, because it comes in, and usually these come in in the form of private messages. Uh, crap. All right, well, now, uh, <laughs> right. now we know already. Well, anyway. Alrighty, so, S.E. writes to us from uh, Massachusetts. Can a poltergeist turn into uh, a demonic possession? I had chills when you said that poltergeists come after one person. There we go. Yeah, these, these in a family, uh, then and another. Uh, how does that turn into a possession? Well, it doesn't necessarily do that. There are. There's a question of, of do all species of poltergeist cause what we, in folklore, know? Well, it's not just folklore; it happens. Noah's possession. I mean, it would be most folklore. Most people think of these as demons, uh, in uh, in in the sense of servants of Satan. Well, I think that that's that's a way for us to understand it. Uh, or sometimes some cultures have thought of them as vampires or life-sucking ghosts, quite literally. But I, I think the uh, the reality of it is that these are life forms that are uh, just uh, trying to live on their own. And what they do is that they uh, will use your energy. They're, they're parasites. They're almost like cosmic mosquitoes. The trouble with them especially is that they're very intelligent. They learn very mm. quickly about you. Uh, they um, can become attached to you in, in very unhealthy, but it's all unhealthy, but very unhealthy ways. 
So one of these very unhealthy ways is what we traditionally will call possession. Now, when I was working in a psychiatric hospital or two in the 1970s as a seminary student and as a grad student in psychology, I began to, a lot of the, you know, we were, of course, approaching it, and there were possession cases that we believed were occurring, and exorcisms did take place, obviously, very, very hushed up. And the problem was that I something was wrong. Just as I say something is wrong with the original theories, not the original theories, but the uh, 19th century theories about ghosts and spirits and all this business, it's just, it's just not enough. It doesn't quite do it. It's not adequate to explain the, the reality. In the same way, I sort of ran into that in dealing with cases of possession and uh, that required, as we thought at the time, exorcism. Now, I wasn't making the decisions. I was just a seminary student. There was a priest. So uh, I just, however, I, I don't, I have never seen, a, there, there can be poltergeist occurrences that uh, will accompany possession, but um, th there, are, there are some complex factors. For example, in the possession cases I've been involved with, a number, a number of times I was involved really with 10 knockdown drag out ones. And there were situations where things on shelves across the room would move. There was what you could call basic poltergeist activity. But as far as living in a house where poltergeist activity is taking place, such as many of the cases we've discussed on this show, uh, to have it move right into a possession situation uh, is possible, but I haven't seen it. As a matter of fact, it's rather logical. But it seems that when they get enough to eat to be poltergeists, um, and, and there's also a question of whether they're actually doing some of these things and then sort of the energies around them may be moving the furniture or throwing stuff at me or whatever, whatever's happening. And then uh, the, the issue may be, uh, is the entity really doing that? Can it use it as a stepping stone to a possession? What I find, have found, is that they do, oddly enough, seem to be separate phenomena. And for a possession to occur, I've seen that the possessee, the person who is undergoing the, this as a victim, has to give a sort of tacit approval to it. And that often takes place through uh, liking the attention. That's why they're bothering with these cosmic entities. In other words, they may be have a very negative life and they think that, wow, I may have failed at this or this doesn't work or I hate this person or that person. However, this really amazing cosmic being is paying attention to me. You know, and, and these these things will pretend to be ancestors or relatives or loved ones or, or whatever, some, you know, beings, cosmic <clears throat> beings or whatever. Right. Well, I mean, there's also sort of a unconscious agreement too, if you will. I mean, yes. you people can be possessed and just not even know it. I mean, they like yeah, yeah, in that sense, yeah. Yeah. It's not always the dramatic stuff we met in the hospital. No, I mean, it could just be like, well, I'm making terrible life decisions because I want to do it. Yeah. So thus, through negative behaviors, negative entities are attracted. So it is very complex. Yes. And I would say just do the same thing we told Mark. Keep it positive. That's your best defense. Right. Because positive energy repels them. Mm -hmm. Love, humor, etc. So I, I would say uh, that would be it. Okay, we are ready to take our first break. And you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio or NewSkyRadio.com, I should say. Radio.com. We'll be right back to continue your messages. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and over here is Paul. And uh, we are going over emails because we have a huge stack of them about to burst right through the ceiling and into the sky. They, they're they just... Uh, well, yeah, and we are on CBS The Sky. So... <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they... We lo- so, and figuratively and literally, we are breaking through the sky. Anyway, we are moving on to our... Uh, wait, did we finish the possession email? Or, yes, I think so. Okay, yeah. so we're, we're moving on now to uh, Matt from Ar- Arlington, Massachusetts, who uh, writes to us, In your research on flap areas or paranormal hotspots, have you had a chance to look at Auschwitz or other places where death camps once existed? I can't imagine that any place could be more haunted than that. Well, that's a good question. Well, not, not like we've ever been there, so... No, no, we have not uh, been to any of those sites. However, we're about, we, I, we've been to Gettysburg, for example. Yeah. Certainly not uh, far from the same context, but a place where great numbers of people died violently. You know. Or even like uh, the Vlad the Impaler's castle. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Well, I have talked to people who've been to all those places, including Vlad the Impaler's castle. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and they uh, they said it is there is a certain aura or atmosphere there. Of great uh, depends uh, sadness. Some people have felt very uh, not uplifted, but have not felt weighed down by even at places like Auschwitz because. Um, th- th- there is a certain well, for, for example recently I think it was 2010 or, or 2011 the son of Hearst the, the commander of what was it Auschwitz I can't remember which, which campus I think it was Auschwitz he was commander of and his grandson who was deeply ashamed of his grandfather's past in, in the, the Nazi SS uh, went to Auschwitz to visit to sort of with, with, with a, a documentary film producer and, and, and a friend to purge himself of this. And he was already old. He wasn't quite as old as myself, but he was, in, I believe he was in his late 40s, early 50s. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that there was a large group of people from Israel, young people from Israel, who were visiting the place. And there is, it is a museum, of course, that has never been torn down. <laughs> And unlike some of the other camps, and it's it's a Holocaust museum, really. And the the children from Israel, uh, he he met them, and he um, he broke down in tears. He said how sorry he was, and, and the whole business. And they they ended up embracing and hugging one another. And an old man who happens to have been a survivor of Auschwitz under this man's grandfather, wow, up and embraced him. I mean, talk about. You know, you really can't heal something like that, but you can get close by, again, positive energy, love. Can you imagine the feast parasites must have had at that place? Oh, geez, yeah. And now to displace that negative energy with some kind of love was absolutely incredible. It was an unbelievable experience, uh, I was told. So so there there we have it. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the... Uh, it was made into a film production, although it's in German. So, I don't know if you can get it or not, but it was just an absolutely wonderful thing to hear about, you know, in, in the circumstances uh, that it existed. So, um, but yes, there have been, people have had experiences 
um, Matt, people have reported uh, alternate states of consciousness, multiversal experiences. Uh, also at Gettysburg, any place like this, people will, will see sometimes uh, the inmates uh, or in the case of Gettysburg, uh, soldiers marching, things of this kind. This is, again, uh, the normal state of the planet when we are in the proper state ourselves. Well, I mean, if something, something so horrible sends waves throughout the multiverse, that's then... That's very true, right. That's so that, 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 I think that more answers his question. I think you're right. Yes, you, you answer more succinctly than I do. You don't lecture as much as I do. However, one might say, too, do you think that, uh, that the positive experiences, you know, extremely positive uh, events also send ripples through the multiverse, echoes? Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying that, like, how to put this? Uh, it doesn't exactly cancel out because that negative thing is still going on somewhere, somewhere. I mean, oh, it may I quiet it. Well, I'm not yeah. talking about Auschwitz in, in particular. When you go to a place, you, know, you go to certain places. Oh, 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 oh right, place, right, right, right. When right. you were at the reservation in Arizona with the Navajo people. And yeah. The Canyon to Chelly. Yeah. And you said there was, um, was that the, wait, there, there have been places where, both of us have felt very positive things. Yeah, yeah. Why? Well, that's because I didn't go down into the valley. <laughs> oh, okay. Because it's a sacred place. I didn't want to mess with it. Right. Because right. everyone was like, yeah, let's go down there. I was like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. <laughs> yeah, you know, people who, this, the good old Western mind, I mean, people don't mean any harm, I'm sure, but they just have no sense of the sacred. Yeah, they got they got yelled at by a bunch of uh, natives. Yeah. Yeah, they were just, because they were just like walking around like, hey, be careful. Yeah, they, no, that, that's it. This is real stuff, and it's not superstition. I mean, you're... This is, these are these are thin places where worlds overlap, and, and they it, you just there's a certain balance oh, yeah. that has to be maintained. You go blundering in there, the Western mentality, which there's such hypocrisy in our mentality. And I don't mean to be negative, but you know we talk so much about the environment and living with nature, and we don't have a clue. No, well, I mean there was there was uh, another another portion of the reservation, not to get too much into a tangent, but no, where exactly. um, there were like human remains left over or whatever. I think it was like an old burial ground that got, there was a flood or something. So it, it, it took up all the bones and there were some like pot, there was some pottery around and they, the, some of the natives specifically said, don't take any of the pottery. Don't take anything from here mm -hmm. because if you do, bad things will happen. Yeah. And I mean, usually I don't believe in hocus pocus, but I was like, I don't want to mess with that. No, no, there's like, a certain, there are good practical quantum reasons for that. Yeah, I mean, jeez. Like, Not like the dead are going to come after you or anything. You know, I don't know. This, there's a certain balance of the energies that should be maintained. Right. I mean, it's just, just reverence. And like, yes. And disrespect is negative and, attacked and, and, and attracts parasites. Right. I mean, jeez. It's like, have some respect for these yeah. people. Well, that's something that's a very short supply in the society is, is respect. Everybody's tied up in themselves and respect is everything it even comes before love as we were saying indeed alright so thank you Move, for writing that moving on <laughs> on to uh, something entirely different and now for something completely different uh, this is from Henry in Swickley, Pennsylvania ooh what a fun place to be from uh, he says uh, your ideas about what happens when we die are very intriguing two questions first is the death experience the same for everyone and what real evidence do you have for any of this <laughs> two very good questions very good questions you know, I'm thinking of many of the people we've had on who have had near-death experiences and things of this kind. Right. And I'm wondering, you know, yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of them are quite different. People think the near-death near death experience is with. with a well, this is this is well, this is the death experience. This is the death experience. So yeah. the question is, the near-death experience is that really? Did you really die? 
Well, some people have been out for a long time and clinically dead, and you know, longer than you would expect. Yeah. Uh, to then have them come come back at least without brain damage. So, uh, it, it's an open question. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, obviously nobody knows for sure. Uh, we'll all find out one way or the other. But I think we have a lot to say in it. Uh, there are, I personally think, from having seen a number of people translate or die, mostly in hospital situations, except for one I don't, don't want to talk about, but in the hospital situations, people would, there seemed to be levels of transition that would occur. Many had, I suppose, what might be called near-death experiences, but actually didn't, quote, come back. Right. Uh, they seem to see things. They seem to be detaching from this consciousness and, and moving, as things do in nature, uh, with the uh, path of least resistance to where they already are in parallel worlds. And this is an important distinction. You know, like, what happens when we die? Well, really nothing happens when we die. Yeah, we probably, you know, this particular leaf on the tree that we're live, you know, we have here and wears out and falls to the ground. But uh, you don't because you're the, you're the whole tree. Right. You know, and where you're, you're, you're just as conscious. In, this, this is often where, pe the peop where people get confused. I believe that you're just as conscious in parallel worlds, uh, in parallel lives, as you are here. Maybe more so. That's why you could help yourself in other lives. That's perhaps what the psychics and mediums talk about, maybe don't com completely understand, but talk about uh, more enlightened lives of the higher self. Oh, yeah, the higher self. Yeah, but I mean, th that could be you in, in parallel worlds where you're much more aware. So I don't think anything happens, really, Henry. I think that when we uh, translate, we translate. We, uh, our consciousness shifts to where we're already there and already conscious in the world that is closest to us. So if you are a terrible person or a real jerk in your particular consciousness here, I think that's unfortunately where you end up. Right. And uh, people say, well, what about ghosts? I mean, well, where do they, they come from if this isn't it? Well, I mean, the ghost situation, I think, is either uh, entities that are pretending to be human or humans who really are human. I remember, remember at the um, Paranormal Conference in West Virginia in 03, uh, I was speaking. Somebody asked, well, how come ghosts don't know they're dead? I said, well, they don't know they're dead. Very easy to answer that. They don't know they're dead because they're not. Ha. You know, so, I mean, oh, what? So, <laughs> Confusing everybody. No, actually, people, people seem to get it. They, 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 you know, when, you're, when you're speaking before an audience, you kind of watch their eyes. Right. You can tell if they get it or they don't. Or if they disagree, and because I run into that, as you know, because you're up there now too with me when we speak. Yeah. Uh, but generally, people people do tend to get it. So I think that's essentially it. You yourself determine what happens after you translate, Henry, and you determine that by the positive energy in your life, by the positive nature of your spirit, by where you by by where you are most connected to yourself in other parts of the multiverse. If you're most connected to the negative parts where you are a parasite or where you are, you know, ter you know, the commander of a concentration camp, then obviously it's a problem. All right. All right what about a uh, second question? What, what real evidence do you have for any of this? Well, there really is no real evidence. The question is what, what is evidence in anything? Ha. Uh, th that's the thing. Uh, as in most 
cases in, in the, the uh, paranormal, Henry, it's circumstantial evidence. I always say, I am not a scientist, neither is Ben, uh, my impressions and my theories and methods have come from long experience in the trenches observing. Now, maybe I observed wrong. I've actually had the ghost hunter types tell me, well, you, this can't be right, or you're, you're wrong about this. Well, maybe I, maybe I am. And Ben grew up with me listening to 5,000 of my lectures, so he, he tends to agree with me from that point of view, but also because... Indoctrinated. Eh? Not to speak for him, but I think his own experience has, has backed up some of this. Yeah. And it is a matter of interpretation. But I think that the evidence is uh, one of observation, which, of course, is not valid either, because really our senses, everything, people say, well, maybe, maybe the paranormal is all in people's heads. Well, of course it's all in people's heads. Everything is in people's heads. Everything we sense, we touch the desk or we touch something or we see something, with our, it's all in our heads. It go, where's the, where does the information go? It goes to our brains, which interprets it. Right. You know? So they're really, and the, hence the motto of our show, everything you know is wrong. We don't know anything. Really, in the end, all we have is God and each other. And some of you have a question about God, but that, that's another story. So we, um, we, we do the best we can, Henry, and we, uh, in my, uh, we, we, all, we, all we can do is convince ourselves, really. If we ourselves are not self-satisfied, but satisfied with the evidence that we have, uh, I think that I am satisfied that at least we, I think we are on the right track here. But we are prepared to admit that we're wrong. So that's, that's really the best answer I can give you. Great. All right. So at this point, we are preparing for another break. And we are having an open line show this evening on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS News Sky Radio and Radio.com. Stay with us, and we will not be mad at you. See you. See you in a few minutes. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries. This heart of mine is burning slow My time has yet to come, to come So darling, don't you be cross with me Each day has enough trouble of its own
Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Well, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. And we are having an open line show this evening. And we are reading some very interesting questions from listeners, most of which are coming over Facebook. And I, I, I have to tell you that we I do edit these uh, i am after all a professional editor and uh, but I, however i do not edit the questions in other words i will take out they come in usually and we ask you to send them privately over the message of fee- feature on facebook unless you want everybody to see them and your name uh we take out the greetings we do appreciate the kind words that you have for us but we'll take it out we do, we're just editing it down to the to the questions really to save time and get more questions in so that's what we've done with these so this one is from mike Mike Lilly, and he doesn't say where he is from. We do ask you to say just even your uh, state or province or wherever you happen to be, <clears throat> and whether or not we want us to use your full name. All right, this one, I, I take it that Mike has th- thrust his tongue into his cheek and has asked this question. I can't think of anybody better to answer the question, what is the secret of the universe? Or in your case, the multiverse. <laughs> Okay, well, you might be surprised at the answer, Mike, because uh, I actually have one. And I'm going to use this opportunity to quote from my forthcoming book, Dancing Past the Graveyard, What Ghosts Have to Say About God. And that's been forthcoming for some years now. and (laughs) It is getting there and will hopefully appear uh, next year. But this is uh, a quote from that, which answers the question, really, strangely enough, I think. What is the secret of the universe? It is no secret. It's right in front of you, but you've been taught not to see it, and it is this. The creation didn't take place 16 or 18 billion years ago. It only began, and it has never ended. As a matter of fact, it's expanding by billions of worlds and versions of worlds each nanosecond. The paranormal is simply the most obvious clue of this. So that might be reworked a little, but that's essentially my answer to that question. And it's very important to realize these are questions, all of them that we receive here, I think, that come from the Western mindset that we somehow have a very limited set of parameters as far as reality is concerned. And we get into that and we talk about, as we did with one of these questions, the, the notion of evidence. What is it that actually constitutes proof of anything? Or evidence of anything. We, we have some very good friends in particularly the UFO field who believe uh, that they have evidence of landings. And then they, they do, I'm sure. But it's evidence, again, that is sifted through the mesh of our, such as it is, of our five physical senses. Scientists, whom I have, many of whom I have great respect for in science, that I have tremendous respect for, uses a vision of the world that is essentially based on materialism. Everything is matter, and the what we see in the world results from 
the reactions of it and other matter, and really energy kind of functions in and around and through matter. So again, it's, it's, it's inadequate. It has been blown out of the water pretty much by quantum mechanics. And there we have it. But again, all our training is still based on this idea that it's all material. So as a result, the secret of, what is the secret of the universe that nobody knows? Well, sure we know. It's right, as I say, it's right in front of us. It's that the creation never ended. And even theologically, people are always blaming me for, for not embracing their religious beliefs after they find out I've spent all these years in the seminary. Well, creation is supposed to be an act of love, ultimate love by God. Is ultimate love to create just one creation? Or is ultimate love, divine love, to create every possible creation? And every possible creation, uh, through the idea of the um, uh, quantum mechanics and the, and the multiple worlds interpretation, that when you commit any act at all or, or, or do anything or make an observation, you are creating really a new world, a different universe, where the only difference might be that you drop that teacup on the floor. And it separates from the world where you didn't drop the teacup on the floor. Can you imagine the world's being created by everything in the world all the time? This is the ultimate expression of love. And that, to me, is the secret of the universe. The creation is ongoing and will never end, even after all has been fulfilled, perhaps, if you take that approach. Uh, we had some very interesting questions on our last Open Land show about the idea, you know, can you fill up eternity? Can you fill up infinity? The idea that was there was a very good question that if all possibilities and all probabilities exist in a concrete way somewhere or somewhere in the multiverse, and you know we we, we rely on this multiverse to explain the paranormal, ghost sightings, and all this business are not spirits of dead people; they're the actual people in parallel worlds, uh, at the risk of oversimplification. And uh, my answer to the question was, well, both are true. If worlds are being created all the time, it doesn't mean that every possibility doesn't exist. What you're doing is creating new possibilities and, and new probabilities all the time. This is the essence of creation. This is, I think, the secret of the universe. So if that answers the question, I hope it does, and I hope it you know, maybe expands consciousness maybe a little bit. Who knows? All right. Now let's turn to Ben has uh, stepped away for just a moment, by the way. Here is a question. Uh, this is from Megan in Seattle, and it goes back quite a ways. So, uh, hi, Paul and Ben. Crazy about your show. You have real... Oh, here he comes. You have really clarified my thought on many things, paranormal and spiritual. My question is about poltergeists. Everybody loves poltergeists, or at least loves to find out about them. Uh, sounds like a really bad sitcom. Anyway, uh... Yeah, you missed the answer to the question, what's the secret of the universe? 42. Uh, that's... Uh, Ben's quicker than I am. 42 yeah. what? 42. Explain something like the caterpillar. No, it's it's from the book of uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh wow! That's yeah, they build. Yeah, they, yeah, these the, this super race builds a computer to find out the answer to life, the universe, and everything. And the computer says forty-two. And they're like, "What does that mean?" And they're like, "He was like, well, you got to be more specific with the question." Yeah, <laughs> it's like I gave you the answer, but well, you need to find the question. Right. Alrighty, so uh, where are we here? Uh, well, Paul. Ah, Paul. I recently read read your book, Faces at the Window, and the story about the poltergeist uh, that broke the rules really scared me. How many cases have you had where the poltergeists affect uh, more than one house? What does uh, that say about the old theories of poltergeists and the agent? 
Do you want to oh, go with that? Question. Do you want to go with that, or do you want me to continue? Oh, well, l let's start with that one. Okay, All easy right. enough. Well, the agent, for if you don't know, is the classic, I suppose, parapsychological interpretation of what the poltergeist is. In other words, so the agent is, is uh, somebody who's going through great trauma or a child going through puberty. That's the, that's the classic example. And they give off all this energy and they create, effectively, the phenomenon of the poltergeist. Now, See, I, the question I always wanted to ask, which I never figured out how, how do these people do that? Like, well, psychokinesis, but yeah. it's like, but how? Well, that's, a, that's a very good question. See, you've never encountered a poltergeist, have you? No. In the knockdown drag out sense of the term. No. Yet. Well, see, then if that's if, if the whole thing is, oh, well, it's the agent producing it, it's like, yeah. well, how are they doing that? Well, they, they don't have any other explanation generally in traditional parapsychology. I mean, the Rhines uh, used to, the wise Rhine used, used to uh, kind of accept that, although they, I, don't think they, I don't think she was satisfied with it. But in any case, I think, uh, again, not good enough. When I've had poltergeist. Uh, experiences that you know, in the sense of investigating cases where they were occurring, it that didn't seem good enough. It, it didn't seem like there was that. I really felt the presence of real entities, and then that rose the question. That, that brought up the question: Are the entities actually causing the phenomena? You know, stuff flying around, stuff hitting me in the leg, and all this business, and, uh, breaking a woman's toe in one case, or throwing the, the child across the room. There was that. And there was the question of, uh, is it or, or is it them, or is, are there the energies that allow them to manifest through the thin walls of parallel worlds, uh, creating uh, those phenomena, or uh, is it some other explanation? So, but I never found the agent explanation good enough. But th that's what what uh, I suppose Megan that means. makes sense. I suppose when, that makes sense. Well, that's what Megan means. Is she's talking about the agent, right? right? <clears throat> and uh, the the whole idea is, um, uh, well. All right, faces at the window. Story. Okay, the, yeah, the, the poltergeist that affected a whole neighborhood. The poltergeist that broke the rules. The rules being just as we just explained. Right. We have. I started finding in the mid nineteen seventies, not that early, that these things, when you looked, did seem to affect a number of different areas. They didn't seem to affect just one house. Usually, they didn't seem to affect even uh, one area of houses. You'd often find there were sightings of UFOs or other paranormal events. Now, maybe we, I was just looking for that because I happened to be concentrating on that area. Right. But on the other hand, I think that many investigators uh, to this day do not bother to look beyond even the backyard of the house they may be investigating. Or it may not even be a house. It could be an area of woodland such as the Village of Voices case, that sort of thing. Right. So I think that probably what you're looking at here is a very common phenomenon. I don't think there's any reason to be afraid of it. And again, the answer is keeping it positive, Megan. Keep the positive energy going. Now, you might have very negative neighbors. They might already be fighting, and that doesn't help things. But just, you know, even if you meditate and sort of broadcast, send out compassion and love... And, and, and extend that white light kind of thing. That really works to your whole neighborhood, to, to your whole town, to the whole country, to the whole world. That's a good thing, mm. and it can't hurt. So I would say just, again, keep it as positive as you can. Now, what's the second part? Uh, also, if you have uh, poltergeist stuff going on, how do you tell if it's coming from your house or a family or a neighbor? Okay, well, very good question. I think people should know their neighbors not to determine if they're poltergeist fodder or anything, but, but to uh, have a positive relationship and kind of know what's going on in your neighborhood. Also, if you have any kind of sensitivity at all, which most people do, you will feel 
negativity coming from a certain house or whatever. Right. And I would say that that's something. But uh, at at the very least, uh, sort of uh, lay that blanket of positive energy from your own spirit to the area. Indeed. uh, Each night, at least, or each day, uh, whenever you can. So, uh, and uh, sort of keep keep your eyes open. That's the best thing. Okay, we're at another break coming up here, and you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS News Sky Radio and Radio.com. We'll be right back to continue our messages. Stay with us. This is where the mind meets the soul. CBS Radio's The New Sky. New SkyRadio.com. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL.
Welcome back to the final segment of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and over here is Paul, and right now we have our open line show where we are taking your emails and talking about them. All right, here's one. This is from a... Well, you can just read it, but it's self-explanatory. Right, right, right. right, right, right. Well, who, well, there's no name and no place, but... No, 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 but he, he uh, writes to us, Dear uh, Mr. Paul Eno, I'm a physician, not a shaman, and I've had unusual experiences. I don't know what my task is, my task on Earth is, despite my job. I, too, have strongly felt time growing short, very short. My question is, if it can be answered, is uh, what I need to do, uh, let, me, let me read this, is what, do I, is what do I need to do to ultimately get to the good place, quote-unquote, that... I'm uh, not already doing now. And he said, yes, I know. I know you know nothing about me. And that's it. That's the question. Okay. Well, it's it's a good question. <clears throat> Excuse me. Much of this comes from, we're still getting questions about this, and a, a national radio appearance we made, not on this show, on another. Uh, was it 2010, 2011? I don't know. I think it was two years ago, so 2011. Yeah, two years. Yeah. And we uh, went out on a limb, and had we discussed this before we went on the show, would we actually come clean about this? But behind all the paranormal work that I've done and that, that Ben has done, there has been an impression, especially on my part, and Ben too, that we have, that, that, that the period from, it wasn't the 2012 thing, we, I took that with a pillar of salt, but the period between 2012 and 2016 was going to be rather... Bumpy. Bumpy, yeah. And, uh, Personally, I saw a lot of bad things happening, particularly from the point of view of uh, warfare, right? uh, nuclear warfare more specifically, because that, that's a real danger. And, maybe, and I asked myself, maybe I'm falling back on my old military training from the 70s when uh, that was a major factor. In, um, well, it still is, of course, but major factor, you know, huge exchanges of, of mass numbers of weapons were a concern at the time in the Cold War, so to speak. Uh, then I asked myself, did I feel that, as, as this doctor does, uh, the time is short because I just turned 60 years old and maybe it is short? Um, but I, I just – I look back at that and I, and I think as much as, as objectively as anybody can be, as, as objective as anyone can be, I look back at that and I think there really does seem to be something going on that is not good. There seem to be indications from – and again, th th this is not some kind of – revelation or no, no some kind of enlightened masters and none of that nonsense is happening here but in the course of paranormal work over many years uh, uh when you take the viewpoint that this is the multiverse and not dead people it does kind of expand the experience you do encounter all sorts of interesting neighbors as it were from parallel worlds some of them human some of them not most of them neutral or not not even knowing you're there others uh, quite aware some negative, some positive, but but the positive ones who are aware, and even the, some of the neutral ones who are aware, when you rub shoulders with them, are all seemingly concerned about the same thing. Maybe it's the multiversal neighborhood, and anything as as massive as, I suppose, a global event would affect many versions of the Earth. Yeah, nearby, as as, as Ben described it before, sending out ripples throughout space time. So that I think is the basis of this question. He's talking about uh, agreeing with us, and we received thousands, and we expected to get a lot of derision after that broadcast. Two out of 3,000 emails after that broadcast were negative, and one guy apologized later on. 
the rest were positive. People say, you know, you, you really rang a bell here. We feel time. I feel time is short. And these are sometimes young people. So what we're looking at here, I think, uh, whoever this doctor may be, doctor, is that uh, how do you ultimately get to the good, or as we call it, the good world? We've, we've felt that there are some people who uh, need to be in touch with what I always refer to it as the good world. First, it came in dreams and then actually waking experiences of it. Because as you grow into the multiverse awareness, you're aware that you're already living in these parallel worlds. And the more positive you try and become, the more positive the worlds you experience. Yeah. You have to be very careful with that. You have to keep your feet on the ground because we, we, we have to do what we're given uh, in this world, too, it, and to make it better mm-hmm. by being more positive ourselves. Right. And so you don't have to do really anything except be positive, doctor. You're already in the good world. And again, this reaches to the point of what we were trying to make earlier, the point we were trying to make earlier. You're actually already in these worlds. You don't have to go anywhere. The whenever, whatever happens, if it happens, if we're not wrong about this, you're going to just uh, be there already. And if your consciousness shifts there, which it all again, you just concentrate on on the good, on the positive, and uh, just relax, let it go, let it happen, and be positive. That's really the best advice I could give. You don't have to do anything special to get there because you're already there. What you have to do is be aware that you are. Right. Any, any, any to add to that? No, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Just don't do anything stupid. <laughs> well, right. Well, we all do things that are stupid. But right. Just, have that awareness. Many people are running to us and saying that they just they feel well, I mean, don't, attached to this. Well, let's not make this a narcissistic thing where no, it's no, no, like, no. you're already there. You're super duper special. Well, we're all already there. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's the point. Yes. Unity. That is the point. The unity. Unity. Not yeah. just you, but unity. You discover yourself by forgetting yourself. Yes. You fulfill yourself. You accept yourself, and then you forget yourself. There is no I in team, as the saying goes. That's right. I like that. I've never heard that before. That's good. You've never heard there's no I in team? No. Well, I've... I see all the Red Sox do tonight. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so there, there we have it. I think it's it's uh, as simple as that. So, cl- uh, All the cliches aside. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, so um, that's about all we have time for this evening. And we would say uh, with a few announcements, we uh, just returned from the, uh, speaking of positive experiences, from the first New England UFO conference in Lemonster, Massachusetts. And it was a very interesting and fun experience. Uh, we spent, ben, ben had to leave a little early, but I yeah. stayed around for the We spent some time with many of the UFO greats who are frequently on the show. Uh, we met some local listeners and made some new friends. And a sincere well done to our good friend Steve Fermani, who organized the event. And uh, listened to, to us and everything else for information about the next uh, event, which will take place uh, next year. Um, probably, I suppose, Lemonster, Massachusetts, in the very, the very beautiful time. City Hall. Yeah, it is a really nice looking city hall. Which full yeah. the whole day. Oh, yes. And uh, a, lot, a lot of interesting stuff. All right, so you can visit our website at www.behindtheparanormal.com, where you can find over 500 free podcasts of past shows. And also check out our website, uh, www.newenglandghosts.com, uh, where there are case studies and photos, along with articles by my dad. And there will be our 500th show in two weeks. Oh, two weeks yeah, that's coming up, isn't it? It's going to be a lot of work. Oh, right? yes, it is. So find my books on Barnes & Noble Nook, e-reader, and Amazon Kindle. Uh, but if you buy them directly at the BehindTheParanormal.com site, I will autograph them for you, and you will keep help us keep those podcasts free. Also on our sites, you'll find direct links to several charities that Ben and I have adopted, including USA Cares and Canadian Veterans Advocacy. 
And uh, many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson. And uh, next week, November 30th, or 3rd, November 3rd, we're not going to skip to the 30th just yet. No, uh, we no will much. welcome Scottish researcher uh, Dr. Peter McHugh, McHugh. McHugh uh, to discuss flap areas and paranormal hotspots around the world. Now we can bring up uh, Matt's question again. So yeah. write to us at paul at behindtheparanormal.com or via our show Facebook page. In the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time show on WOON 1240 and ONWorldwide.com at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 Pacific, every Monday. And we'll leave you this evening with a thought from American poet Robert Frost. A person will sometimes devote all his life to the development of one part of his body, the wishbone. Ha. Huh. I like, I like that. Paul, yeah, I'm Paul Eno. <laughs> and I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time.